Well, this morning we continue in our series. This Sunday we're going to be taking a break of sorts as we're working through the story of the Bible from Genesis uh, to Revelation in the book, The Story, which is available back there on the back table if you haven't picked up a copy as yet. Uh, a chronological accounting of the Bible from one end to the other in one seamless story or novel. It's been a fantastic journey so far, hasn't it? And, and, and this last week we got through uh, kind of the story up to the time of King David. And David, as you know, uh, kind of crashed and burned at a few moments in his, in his, in his life. One was uh, with an adulterous affair with uh, Bathsheba. And though he made her his wife, uh, and that first child actually died, they had another child. C- can you imagine being that child born into that kind of soap opera? God had a heart for him too. In fact, from the very beginning, two names. Uh, David and Bathsheba named him Solomon, and he was to become the next king of, of Israel. But Solomon, as soon he was, as he was born, was given another name by God. Uh, I'm not sure before I read the story this time that I could have told you the other name for Solomon the king. Do you remember his name? The name that God gave him, the name that Nathan spoke over him? It was Jedidiah. Can you say that with me? I don't know many Jedediahs, but I do know this old tune, and I bet you do too. Mm. Let me tell you a story about a man named Jed. <laughs> What's the next line? Pouring out mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food, and up from the ground come a bubbling crude. My kids are looking at me like I'm nuts right now. <laughs> Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. Well, first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Ken folks said, Jed, move away from there. Heard in California is the place you ought to be. So we loaded up his truck and he moved to Beverly. Let's just have a prayer for us all right now, shall we? The things, the things that stick with us. But how many, how many of you actually watched that show? You know, I watched that show. I was in, we were all engaged with it. Here's, here's Jed, a poor mountaineer, and he, he's given this gift of such favor. He becomes a millionaire, right? I mean, who, who, who can't see themselves? You know, just an everyday, ordinary kind of fella with his cement pond out back. You remember, Jed? Uh, Solomon uh, was a rich, rich man. From the very moment he was born, not because of all of his riches and not because of his wisdom, but because even at his birth, it was said over him, you are my beloved. That's what Jedediah means. Beloved of God. And friends, I am not looking at a single person in this room today that in that regard, is not just as rich. You are Jedediah. You are the beloved of God. And God so loved Solomon that he actually came to him once he became king and said, whatever you want, 
Well, what's, what's your great? How many of you played that game when you were a kid? Did you ever play Three Wishes when you were a kid? You know, if you had three wishes, what would you wish? How long did it take you to figure out that by the third wish, you needed to wish for a million more wishes? How many? Huh? All, all of us, how many came? You got, yeah, we, we know that, you know, well, why? So, so we can keep getting everything we ever want, you know? Whatever you wish for the first two, uh, the, the, those actually showed something about, about who you were, you know? Uh, if, if you wanted chocolate forever, or uh, what, what, was it, what was it about those wishes? I, I wonder if, if, I want us to talk about this for just a little bit this morning, and then we'll go on. And, uh, and that is this, if, if you can remember, can, can you conjure, when you were a kid, and if you played Three Wishes, what your three wishes might have been, okay? What might have been, maybe, maybe, I'm not going to make you work that hard. Just think of one of those wishes. When you were a kid, say 10 years old, what would you have wished for? And then think about now. What would you wish for? Now, we're not talking about the third wish. We're all, all smart enough to wish something there. But those first two wishes, what would you wish for? Okay, let's turn and just have a moment's conversation with one another. Maybe somebody you came with, maybe somebody you're meeting for the first time today. If this totally freaks you out, all you have to do is just sit there and go, I'm not into this. <laughs> and we'll honor that. That's totally cool. But we would just like to talk with one another. After all, God said that this is about loving God and loving each other. And it's a, a shame for us to come and go and have only stared at the back of each other's head. So if you want to take a moment, turn and talk to your friend about that. What would you have wished when you were 10 and what would you wish now? Okay, we don't have much time today, so I'm going to give you a 60-second warning. If you haven't heard from those you're talking to, give, give them one more chance.
Christ. Now that, that was just kind of a fun exercise for us. But, but imagine if God, imagine if God gave you that particular wish. Ask anything of me. What would you wish for? Solomon in 1 Kings 3 was actually given that opportunity. He was a new and young king and just getting started as the king of Israel. And God comes to him in a dream. And in that dream, he says, what do you want? Ask anything of me. And this was, this was Solomon's response. He, he didn't ask for endless chocolate or all the gold in the world. He asked this. So give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of thine? And God, it says, was moved by Solomon's request, by Jedediah's request, because Solomon didn't ask for riches for himself, nor had he asked uh, for the life of his enemies or for long life. He instead asked for wisdom. And you know, in James it says that any of us lacks wisdom. Let, let him ask of God. And God, who's not stingy, will, will give him. That's Buskirk paraphrase. You can go look at it. But it's James chapter 1. God grants wisdom. And God was so blown away by Solomon's heart. He said, and I have also given you not only wisdom... But what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any, any among the kings like you all your day. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commands, as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Then Solomon awoke and he realized that it was a dream. God said, I'm not only going to bless you with wisdom, I'm going to bless you in other ways like you could never imagine. With, with riches and with wealth and uh, with influence and, and honor. God granted his wish. And Solomon, it says, here in the scripture, was a man whose riches and wealth uh, and wisdom could not be compared to any man before or since. Solomon. Man, what an incredible payday. He won the lottery of all time. He was wise and he was wealthy. And we can tell many stories about that. If you want to test his wisdom for yourself, just turn to the book of Proverbs. There he took down a lot of those wise sayings and left them for us. He didn't just want to be wealthy he wanted, uh, and wise. He wanted us to be wise as well. He wrote Proverbs. He wanted us to know what was really valuable. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. If a guy who ever had it all could tell you what really matters. Solomon did so, and we'll come back to that. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. He, he was the builder of the temple. And when he builds the temple, if you haven't yet, go back to 1 Kings. I think it's about chapter 8 where he dedicates that temple. Almost two pages in my Bible, as it's printed in my Bible, is this prayer of dedication. And Solomon pours his heart out as a servant leader of God. Not only that God would bless the temple, but that God would bless his people with the temple. That he would hear their prayers. That he would forgive their sins. That he would, 
whenever they cried out to him from that place, he would come and live and dwell there. And his people would know that that was a place that they could connect with their God. Solomon started out so strong. He was blessed with an incredible beginning. He built the temple. Eventually, he amassed such wealth and such a reputation for his wisdom that other rulers were coming to him for best practices seminars. The queen of Sheba shows up. and She had heard much about his wealth and about his wisdom, but when she actually comes, she says, you know, the half of it has not been told me. And she goes on in her reflection to Solomon about her opinion of him that this is because his great God has blessed him. Blessed be the God that has blessed you and the people of Israel with a king as wise and as good as you are. Other leaders were coming. And this was, wasn't this God's plan from the beginning that he could so bless the people of Israel that they could be a blessing. That they would so take on his character that the whole world would be attracted to the very character of God because they bore his character. And that's still God's plan. To us now, his people who believe in him, the power of the Holy Spirit living within us to so live like Jesus that people could still be drawn to Jesus today simply by how we let his life be lived through us. He was an incredible witness to God. Queens and statesmen found God because they found Solomon. He was also an incredible lover of women. He also wrote a book about that in the Bible. And it's there completely unabridged and unabashed. Have you ever read the Song of Solomon? This guy was a passionate lover. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, just to prove it. 300, you know what a concubine is. It's, it's a wife. A thousand. His passion and his love for women was such... Guys, if, if you ever wanted to read a book that would help you with the romantic side of who you are, wouldn't it be wise to read the book written by the most passionate, wise, wealthy man that ever lived. It's right there. There's a reason this book is the bestseller of all time. And largely, it has to do with authors in it like that. Inspired by God, Solomon wrote the song of Solomon. He's got much more to say than Dr. Ruth. So what happened? What happened? Those wives that he loved so much eventually became a, a, a snare for him. Look in chapter 11. Uh, turn this one off. Is this one on? This one's on. This will work. 
Yet Solomon, for all of his wisdom, had a, had a splintered heart, a, a, a separated heart. Have you ever heard the story of the frog in the kettle? Isn't that familiar to most of us? You throw a frog in a boiling kettle of water, and because of the immediate shock, it will bounce out of there like a, like a rubber ball off of a wall, you know, if you try to throw a frog in, in, a, in a boiling kettle of water. But if you put a frog in a lukewarm kettle of water and gradually turn it up, he thinks, jacuzzi. <laughs> and it gets better, and it gets better, and it gets better until it gets done. You know what I mean? He's gradually cooked. He eventually comes to the point that his senses are so seared that he doesn't realize he's boiling to death. And before you long, you have frog legs, which I hear taste like chicken. I don't know. But that's the parable of the kettle and the frog that... Sometimes errors in our lives, we drift. Isn't that mostly, most of us never decided that we were going to defy God or go in a different direction. We just find ourselves somewhere along uh, a long drift that maybe is even hard for us to identify where it started. Maybe we, like Solomon, at one point said, you know, I, I, I know this is against God's will in the Bible, but this is 2014. I can handle this. I'm smart enough to manage this. Maybe that was Solomon's problem. Eventually, his wisdom became something that he was so confident in that he quit turning to the Lord. And yet his own wisdom, what does it say? Lean not on your own understanding. This is one of his proverbs. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your paths. You can trace back almost all of Solomon's problems, all of his adversaries that came to work against them, the dismantling of the kingdom for his sons thereafter, largely because of the influence of these wives. He so wanted to please them that he forgot about pleasing God, and he came even to worship other gods openly and passionately as he had loved God at first. And it broke the heart of God. He was no longer aligned with his upper plan. God could no longer bless a life that far out of a line. And Solomon now is not remembered as a, a king with the heart that his father had, even though his father's sins were great. He nevertheless had a heart to follow after God. Solomon, at some point along the way, decided he knew better decided he didn't need to listen to the Lord any longer. Can that happen to us? Maybe we've started out well. Maybe we started out strong. But there's a key to finishing strong that the life of Solomon shows us. And that is, it's not just a matter of turning to God early in life and getting a good start. It's a matter of keeping on turning to God. You want to know the story? You want to know the secret to finishing strong? It's never coast with the one you love the most. Never coast with the one you love the most. I wonder if the praise team will come and help us as we close our service this morning. You know, Solomon did write the book of Ecclesiastes. 
And though his life towards the end seems really kind of a mystery to us, the Bible basically says that Solomon served the Lord for 40 years. He was king for 40 years, and then he went to the grave of his fathers. It doesn't tell us how the story turned out at the end, but he did write a book, Ecclesiastes, about all of his wisdom and what he saw through his wisdom. He wanted to leave that for us. Would you be interesting, interested in the conclusion the wisest man ever made about life? It's the last two verses of that book. The conclusion. When all has been heard, this is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Not just kings, not just the rich, not just the wealthy, those who are chosen of God to be his beloved, to every person it applies. Verse 14, because God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or whether it is evil, all along every action of our life is a seed sown. It's real easy when we get far enough along in our walk with the Lord to think that all we have is the management of past harvests to deal with. When God may be calling us right here, right now, to go all in with him again. To say yes to him all over again. I'll close with this thought. There was an old story told of a a man who showed up quite unusually for a church meeting. It was a it was a mission society meeting, you know, with a mission rally. And the people were being challenged as the missionaries shared about their ministries, how they would contribute and back them and be a part of what they were doing to spread the gospel around the world. And this man asked for a moment of privilege. Could he speak? And he was such a revered businessman in the community you know, that wasn't a problem. He was given a mic. He came forward and he said, as many of you know, I'm, I'm a millionaire. But I contribute being a millionaire to a decision I made long, long ago that God has blessed. He said, when I was a young man, I was coming to church and came to a meeting like this, and it happened to be a mission rally like this, and a missionary shared. And it was my first paycheck. My boss gave me a $100 bill as my first paycheck and I had that proudly in my pocket that night and I didn't have another cent on me and they challenged us that night to to give what we had for the Lord's sake and he said and I looked in my wallet and I saw that hundred dollar bill and I realized I had to give all or nothing and he said I, I thank my God that that night I had the courage to trust him and give him my all. I put the whole $100 bill in the offering. And I challenge all of you tonight to be as wise, to do as I did. And the people were stirred, and there was a, a hush over the whole crowd. And he went back, and he sat down in his seat, pretty satisfied with himself and what he had done for the Lord. And he felt a little tap on his shoulder. And this little, little lady sitting just behind him leaned forward and said, dare you to do it again. 
Would you take that dare? That dare that Solomon passed on? Dare you. Dare you to do it again. To give your all to the one who's given his all for you. You'll never outgive him. I don't care how many times you make that decision. It's always a wise investment. And Solomon would tell us so. When it's all been said and when it's all been done. Give it all to God. Give your very self. Maybe you're doing that for the first time. Maybe this is a morning where the wisdom of Solomon would tell you to do it again. How wise are you? Lord, we pray this morning that you would make us wise. That you would call us to yourself. And anything within us that resists, Father, that your spirit would overcome. That this morning we might take the wisest step we ever make. That step that's 180 degrees towards you. We renew our faith in you, our Father. You who loves us more than we have ever loved ourselves or anyone will ever love us. Thank you, God. Help us to trust you as your Jedediahs. Those for whom the, the Father is especially fond. God, help us to trust ourselves to you as we sing this song of dedication. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.